<laughs> Morning. <laughs> wow. Don't we have an awesome worship team? You know, we've got some amazing guys. And we take for granted what we have here, eh? You imagine the amount of hours that these guys spend practicing and learning and and discovering God and, and all that all that they put in behind what we see on a Sunday morning. So um <sighs> before before um something happens, um <laughs> I really like to honor our worship team. So if you're involved in worship, if you play an instrument, if you sing much better than me, if you're part of the sound desk, can you stand? Dancers as well? Yeah, if you dance, any, any form of connection with the worship that goes on in this house, just, just stand. And there's some of you that aren't here. <laughs> we just want to bless you guys and we want to honor you guys. And we want to give thanks for what you carry. We want to give thanks for what you deposit in this house. And we just honor you. Just, just turn to someone that's standing near you and just reach out your hand towards them and bless them, decree over them the goodness of Father, that he would, he would refresh them, that we, that we receive them, we receive what they carry. And we just give thanks for the deposit that's within them. We give thanks, God, for all that they carry. We give thanks, God, for the sacrifice that they, they, uh, they give to this house, that we, can, that we can enjoy your presence, that we can come and worship together, and it just flows because they invest in building a team and building a family. So we give thanks to them, God. We give thanks. Ha ha, come on. More, more. More, deeper places, God. Deeper places, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We give you thanks for them. <laughs> Whew. Oh. <laughs> wow, amen. Let's just give them a hand, eh? Let's just honor them. Oh. Ooh. Wow, what sort of sneaky um, theology can we bring with Trent and Sue away? <laughs> you know, the elders and I had the secret meeting the other day. No. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Thanks. <laughs> you backed out of that quick. <laughs> I have just been stirred all night with God. Um, just keep being woken up, and isn't he awesome? Who's still engaging from the worship from before? You know, we don't have permission to disengage, eh? Hey? <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm just anticipating what he wants to do. I don't know what he wants to do. Oh, man. Who knows about what's happening in LA at the moment, this weekend? Azusa now. (laughs) Who's familiar with the Azusa Street Revival? Awesome. Right now in LA, there's a massive gathering of believers worshipping their heart out to the King. They're celebrating 110 years 
since the Azusa Street Revival ended. Amazing. Um, so far, what I saw, there was like 120,000 people gathered to worship. And it's sort of initiated by the call. I think that's what it's called, eh? Lou Engle. And um, there's a whole lot of churches partnering, like Bethel, one of them. is. Um, they've got 2,000 BSSM students in the streets around there. Wow. And I've just been looking on Facebook at these amazing testimonies that have been taking place like um, a person who hadn't been able to hear their entire life, 32 years of age, I think it was, and then the park, ears open. So good. Come on. Come on. The testimony of Jesus. <laughs> a person in a wheelchair for over a year gets up, walks pain-free. How awesome is that? <laughs> And these are just the ones that I've seen. Like there is, there is probably so many more that I haven't heard about. There's probably hundreds of these testimonies happening right now. How awesome is that? <laughs> they're re-digging. They're, re, they're re, uh, re-exploring what God did 110 years ago in, in L.A. And for you guys that don't know, um, there's a guy called... Um, what was his name? <laughs> William Seymour, thank you. William Seymour, that's right. I had it here so I didn't forget too. And um, he was the catalyst for this. And uh, he was a one-eyed Negro man, you know, and this was in the heart of when segregation was just rampant. You know, like, it's totally God to offend us, eh? Totally God to challenge our mindset of what we think... uh, um, how he turns up and how he moves. And so this <laughs> one-eyed Negro man who was completely sold out for the heart of God, what I love about him is I was reading about him just over the last couple of days and, and he came into a revelation that, um, about the day of Pentecost that, that, G, that God baptizes you with the Holy Spirit and you speak in tongues. And so he re- received that revelation, and he said, this is the, the truth of God. And when he received it, he actually started to preach it, and he hadn't yet received it. He started to preach the baptism of the Holy Spirit and, and speaking in tongues. So much so that he was actually praying for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues, and they did. And yet he still hadn't received it himself. Wow. He eventually did. But isn't that amazing? Someone who held on to who God is and what God has said and, and, and made it so much part of who they are, regardless of what they were personally experiencing, he wasn't going to move from that fact that God's heart was to pour out his spirit on believers. Wow. You know, the Azusa Street Revival really is a catalyst for a lot of things we have today. More people have been saved in the last 110 years than the time before. Wow. Think about that. It birthed the Pentecostal movement. Wow. It restored the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, it wasn't, it was, you know, there were a few people engaging with that but not in the way that the Azusa Street Revival released onto the earth, released into the body. I want to read you a um, 
newspaper article written in September 1906. I'll be nice, eh? Disgraceful intermingling of the races. <laughs> they cry and make hallowing noises all day and into the night. They run, jump, shake all over, shout to the top of their voices. They spin around in circles. <laughs> they fall out on the sawdust uh, blanketed floor, jerking, kicking, and rolling all over it. Some of them pass out and do not move for hours as though they were dead. These people appear to be mad, mentally deranged, or under a spell. <laughs> They claim to be filled with the Spirit. They have a one-eyed, illiterate Negro as their preacher who stays on his knees much of the time with his, hand, with his head hidden between the wooden milk crates. He used to put a box on his head. He doesn't talk very much, but at times he can be heard shouting, Repent! And he's supposed to be running things. <laughs> they repeatedly sing, the same song, the comforter has come. Wow. That's the world describing revival. <laughs> it was off their map, the believer's map. Imagine how much it's off the, the non-believer's map. <laughs> the amazing thing about that revival, it was all-inclusive. It didn't matter what race you were from, it didn't matter whether you're male or female. It was, it was about God, the Father, and his kids, and the Holy Spirit being poured out. So good, hey? So good. <laughs> These are the things that are possible. These are the things that are possible. These are the things that are possible. Have a think about that. <laughs> think about the name of the house here. Liberty. And Jen touched on that earlier. Liberty. Freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Wow. What does that look like? <laughs> You know, the name of this house is a great prophetic declaration of what we should be believing is possible. Freedom. It's a, it's a prophetic declaration. We're a community of people that believe in freedom. We're a community of people that believe where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There's freedom. There is possibility. And I think this is the journey we're on. I think we're a family who are learning to discover what freedom is, are learning to discover what his habitation of his presence looks like. Because we, we, we don't want just visitation, eh? We want habitation. I've done visitation. It sucks. Habitation, this transformation. 
He wants to abide with his kids. Hey. <laughs> and the cool thing about that is it's Kingdom 101. It's family. That's Kingdom 101. Signs and miracles, they're secondary. Actually, they just happen. 101's family. And we're free to do family. <laughs> you know, and what does that mean? It means that each of us carries something that brings something. Each of us is important. Each of us has value to deposit in the life of each other. You know, we honored the worship team here. We're valuing what they carry. We're recognizing the value that's in them to deposit in the, in the greater good of this body that's after the, the habitation of his presence. So there's this joy of being able to add our strength to each other. And if you think that you've got nothing of value, you can enter into my two-word counsel program. You probably remember it. Stop it! <laughs> it's really easy. Just stop it. You're valuable. And actually, the body is incomplete without you. The body is actually incomplete without you turning up. And uh, Jen was actually touching on it earlier. We are in sync. That's good. Same spirit. Woo-hoo. It's it's. We come together and we come as a family to worship. We all add something to the atmosphere. Yeah, we've got this great worship team. We value that. But they're just a band in a garage without us. <laughs> together. In harmony, we come, we gather, and we, 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 we honor the king, and we glorify him, and, and we release a sound on the earth. And when you think about when, when you're saying that he's holy and that he's worthy, you, you're making a decree that's actually already in heaven. You're, you're, you're releasing uh, um, the, the, the kingdom truth. You're manifesting his reality on the earth. When we say that he's holy, we're releasing the truth into the atmosphere. And what do we end up with? That manifestation of his presence and his goodness. Wow. <laughs> uh, there's, a, um, there's a cool story in, in Acts 5. All these great miracles are happening. And it says that... <laughs> It says that the non-believers had a high place the church in high esteem, but they didn't dare join them. I think that verse is absolutely amazing. There was something going on in the church that was extraordinary, that was totally off everyone's map, that left society in awe and wonder. But there's also this fear of not half-heartedly joining and being involved in that community of believers. Wow. Imagine if that happened. Oh. (laughs) Imagine if that happened. See, this is possible. These are possibilities. As we practice family, as we practice seeing the gold in each other, as we practice drawing it out of each other, we become something that the world needs to see. We're actually heaven's strategy. We're his strategy. 
Think about that. When the world sees us, they're meant to see him. That's a big thought, but that's possible. That is actually a possibility. That's what the Holy Spirit is working on. Well, sometimes we let him. Man, Jesus. I just we should be people who believe in the possible we should be people that don't have the impossible in our vocabulary we should be the people that invade the impossible and bring about by our decree the possible. I think I think a position of possibility looks like being worshippers. I think positioning ourselves to be a community that, that live in the possible needs to be founded in being worshippers. There's an awesome story in the book of Acts. Um, Acts 16, I think. It's the story of Paul and Silas. You probably know it. Now, Paul and Silas kind of were being followed by a slave girl who, had, who was possessed with a spirit of divination. And what's amazing is she was following them, but she was, she was making this interesting decree. These men are servants of the Most High God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. Now, you think that would be a good decree to have someone follow you with. But it, it ticked off Paul. Because a few days later, he turned around and he cast the spirit out of her and she was set free. Now, because she was a servant, her masters had now had a tricky situation. They couldn't make any profit from her and her oppression. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and they brought them before, before um, the chief magistrates. And that's where we join the story here in uh, verse 22, chapter 16. The crowd rose up together against them, and the chief magistrates tore their robes of them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. And when they had struck them with many blows, they threw them into the prison, commanding the jailer to guard them secretly. And he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks." But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. Get that, in midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. 
And then suddenly came a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer awoke and saw the prison door open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. He didn't have a union. But Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, Do not harm yourself for we are all here. And he called for the lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, with, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him together with all who were in his house. And he took them all that very hour of the night and washed all their wounds And immediately he was baptized, he and all his household. And he brought them into his house, set food before them, rejoicing greatly, believing in God with his whole household. Wow. These guys were beaten up with sticks. Ouch. These guys were were bashed around. And dragged into the inner prison. There's no light there. They're shackled. They're bound. You know, the the last guy that was there probably didn't leave it in a very good state. (laughs) Sully's imagination's going. (laughs) And, And these guys are in this dark... Terrible place. There would have been an agony from from you know, if you've been hit with sticks, you're probably sore. And and yet they lift up their voice and they start to worship God. They start to praise him, they start to adore him. Wow. I don't know if I would do that. And they start to honor God, and then something amazing happens. Bam. A revival takes place. People get saved. There's something that takes place when we're worshippers that, that shifts situations. There's something that takes place that makes circumstances become a slave to the purposes of God. Wow. <laughs> See, there's something about worship that releases possibility. See, sometimes if we're in a tough situation, we pray to God to get out of it. I think wisdom says we need to know whether we need to get out of a situation or we're going to be the catalyst that's going to change a situation. Because in Acts 12, we see the similar story with Peter who's in prison and an angel comes and unlocks all the doors for him and he just walks out. Same situation different outcome. Isn't that amazing? See, Peter was praying and worshipping as well. There's something about position of worship that allows us to connect with the Father's heart and to see what he's doing. And we get a wisdom to know what the Father's doing and we get to to walk and flow with him. We get to co-labor with heaven and what God's doing. But I reckon the secret is a position of worship. 
I reckon when we can position ourselves in a place of worship, when we can decree he is greater than our circumstance, when we can lift him up when nothing looks good, stuff has to change. Because I think he's the God of possibility. I think he's bigger than all our circumstances. I think he's bigger than all our messes. I think he's bigger than the impossible. I think with him, everything is possible. Oh. Who's got impossible situations right now? A lot of hands. Can we have the worship team? Because these guys are going to help release something amazing. And we also have to make James work on his last day. <laughs> oh. it's, um, Let's just stand, eh? Hopefully you haven't disengaged from this morning. Wasn't it awesome, the presence of God? The manifested presence? We should be anticipating right now an increase of that. <laughs> Let's just worship Him for a bit. We're just going to exalt him because he's worthy. Not only did he die, but he resurrected. <laughs> That's good news right there. And not only did was he resurrected, but he ascended. And when he ascended, he took his place by the side of the Father. And so now Jesus reigns. He is above all power and principality. And so when we're decreeing that he is exalted, we're not just saying something nice. We're actually agreeing with the ascension of Jesus. We're giving witness that he has, di- he has died, he is resurrected, and he is exalted into a place of reigning, that He is the King of all kings. When we're making that decree, that's what's taking place. And that's what's going to be released in the atmosphere this morning. And the impossible has to become the possible. Because Jesus reigns in this house. So let's not hold back. Hey, Let's exalt Him in this house. Let's raise our voices and declare He has ascended. He reigns in this place. He reigns in this place. Oh, Jesus.